reading of the Word of God, Numbers chapter 22, and we're going to start in verse number 21. And if you're there with me, would you say amen? I'm going to do a little bit of reading here, so I'm going to go through this just as, as quickly as I can. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his donkey. We're going to just insert this word here because this comes up many times in this story. And went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way. Somebody shout, in the way. He stood in the way for an adversary against him. So in other words, this angel was not for him, but against him. Listen. Now he was riding upon his donkey, and his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the donkey to turn her back into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn, either to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the donkey with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee, that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the donkey, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand, for now would I kill thee. And the donkey said unto Balaam, Am not I thine donkey upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? In other words, have I ever been bad unto you? And he said, No. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine donkey these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the donkey saw me and turned from me these three times. Unless she had turned from me. Surely now also I had slain thee. In other words, you would have been a dead man. <clears throat> and Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displease thee, I will get me back again. If I can, for just a few moments of time, I just simply want to preach on this thought, and that is, <clears throat> that's in the way. Amen. That's in the way. Maybe I should personalize it and say, that's in my way. 
Amen. You ever had something standing in your way and you didn't like it? Yeah, that's in my way. Can we pray this morning one more time? Father, I thank you once again. Your blessing, your word, your presence, your people. I pray God challenge our hearts. Touch us today. Father, I pray anoint your word. Let it be clear. Let it be concise. And I pray let it convict our hearts. I pray touch my mind and my lips to preach as would give you glory. The hearts and the ears of your people. And we'll thank you for what you'll do. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You can be seated this morning. That's in my way. As we look at this particular passage of Scripture, I want you to understand is that Balaam here, he was a prophet. He was given assignments at various times from the Lord to speak uh, on behalf of God, a mouthpiece in regards to situations concerning the children of Israel. And I would encourage you, if you've not read the entirety of the story, there's a lot of things about Balaam and the message that was delivered by God unto Balaam on behalf of the children of Israel that was imperative and important in regards to their history. And you would have to read the chapters that follow this because a lot of folks, I mean, Brother Udy, when I was a kid in kids' church, I heard the story. I thought it was neat, the story of Balaam and his talking donkey. Amen. And uh, how, how unique. I mean, there's not uh, really a story like it in Scripture uh, as, as pertains to this donkey and Balaam. And uh, a lot of folks just kind of stop right there, but there was much that transpired by way of Balaam's call, by way of how God would speak to and through Balaam on behalf of the children of Israel. But in regards to this, there were some things that God was not pleased with uh, by way of Balaam, and an angel of the Lord had been sent in order to kill Balaam. He was going to, uh, the, the Bible tells us earlier in the chapter that the anger of the Lord was kindled against Balaam. And uh, therefore, uh, that angel had been sent on assignment to take care of Balaam. And unbeknownst to Balaam, we come to find by way of the grace and mercy and the vision of that donkey that he could see what Balaam could not see. And as a result, this instinct of this donkey is to save Balaam's life. We find, and in our reading, that in the first time that she sees the angel of the Lord, the Bible says, as it she runs off of the path out into the field and Balaam is there and he's angry and upset and takes his rod and he smites that donkey, gets her back up on the path and they're going on down the way and then there was a stone wall there at the vineyard and it was a narrow passage and when she saw the angel of the Lord as we've seen in our reading, she runs herself over into the wall and smashes Balaam into the wall and crushes his foot into the stone wall and once again Balaam if he's like you and I uh, save your criticism for Balaam because you and I would be acting the same way I promise you so he gets that rod again and I mean he smacks that donkey with that rod and I mean he's mad, he's carrying on and, and uh, he's probably saying some things that aren't even recorded in scripture. I mean he's mad at that donkey. She's misbehaving and, and then the Bible says once again the angel stands in an even more narrow way where you can't go right can't go left, no field to run in no wall to uh, crush into and so the Bible 
Bible says that she fell down. In other words, she just laid on down underneath, uh, underneath Balaam to where there he was. And the Bible says again, he begins to beat that donkey. And his anger is kindled in such a way that the Bible says he had said in his ranting and raving, he said, if I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right here. I mean, you'd be a dead donkey. Amen. There's, a, there's such thing as a stubborn donkey and hard-headed, but you'd be a dead one. I'd just leave you here. I'd walk the rest of the way. I mean, he was bent out of shape. And the Bible says there, Brother Drew, the Lord opened the mouth of that donkey. I was telling my wife, I was telling her here as the Lord was dealing with my heart about this message, and I was reading this story. And I said, it's interesting to me, Brother Jerry, that in all of this that happened, we find, at least in the reading, that Balaam is not taken back, that he's having conversation with this donkey. I mean, it's just, you know, I find it interesting because the Bible says that the Lord opened the mouth of that donkey and she responds to him and she says, why are you beating me? Why are you doing this? Have I not been good to you? Have I not? I've been your donkey from the time. I mean, I remember when I, I was purchased and that's your house. I've done you well, haven't I? And, and he's just having conversation. I don't know. I don't know. I think I'd be a little bit bit weirded out. I think, Brother Eli, it'd be me running in the field. It'd, it'd be me climbing that stone wall. It'd be me saying, I, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe they put something in my canteen. Maybe, maybe I got a bad berry. I don't know what it is. But, I mean, the, 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 this animal's talking to me. And, and so, therefore, he's having this conversation. And, and, he, and it seems like he don't bat an eye. Maybe he does. He's uh, awestruck, I don't know. Uh, uh, but nonetheless, he just having conversation. And the Bible tells us that in every instant uh, that that donkey saw that angel in the way, saw what was going on, and by instinct or if you will by way of divine providence because we come to find that in all of this that God allowed Balaam to live and God allowed Balaam to go into Moab and speak with the king of Syria and to begin to prophesy about the children of Israel and we come to find this can I just put this disclaimer in here right now is that in a lot of situations in our life and as we're reading this about Balaam, and in all of the craziness that had unfolded, and all of the weirdness that had happened, we find that in the end, God orchestrated this in such a way that God's purpose was fulfilled in Balaam's life. That God's purpose was fulfilled not only in Balaam's life, but it was important for Balaam to be there. When you read in the next few chapters, we find that God speaks through Balaam. The Spirit of God Sister Linda the Bible says comes upon Balaam and he is speaking as an oracle. The words of God are proceeding through his mouth as he stands and he proclaims blessing over the children of Israel. The king of Syria he wanted Balaam to show up and to curse the children of Israel. He wanted to curse them and 
pronounce judgment upon them so that he could have victory because he knew Benjamin. The king of Syria knew that the Israelites were standing in the way. They were there. They were being blessed. He was fearful. Fearful of what Israel could do. They could overtake him. And so he wanted them cursed. And so he was trying to get a prophet out of Israel in order to curse them and speak against them. And Balaam had said, I am only going to say what God would have me to say. And as a result, not only was Balaam's life preserved, but Brother Tobin that day because that donkey got in the way, amen, of what was going to happen to him. We find also the children of Israel, their lives were preserved. I first want to tell somebody in this house that the will of God, the purpose of God, and the plan of God for your life is of the utmost importance. Your life is valuable. Your call is valuable. What God has put in your hand is necessary. I want you to understand that it's not just what God is doing you or in you or for your immediate family but there are people connected to you and I some you don't even know yet some you never shook in their hand never had supper with them but God will use your testimony God will use your life to impact someone else for eternity why do you think you are fought so hard to do the things that pertain to the eternal? Why do you think your relationship with God is there's contending all the time? Why do you think your mind is tormented with thoughts that you can't, but someone else can? That even right now this morning when I use words like purpose and plan, that in your mind you think it has to do with being a pastor, an evangelist, a teacher, a missionary, and you're saying, I'm just a regular old guy doing regular old work. I'm just a grandma. I'm just a this. I'm just a that. It's a mama who's a housewife, and you've got little ones, and it's hard to get. I mean, you've got little ones. Some of you young mamas, you know it's like herding cats. It's like trying to nail jello to a tree some days, isn't it? I mean, it just sometimes is impossible. And, and it don't get a whole lot easier, Brother Eli, when they get teenagers. Amen. But you're trying. You've got responsibilities of the home. And you've got kids. And you've got all these things. I want to tell you the greatest lie that the enemy would have you to believe is sitting right here in the church pews. Right here where the presence of God is moving. Right here in the altars and the place where you can meet God. And he can transform your life. And there's over 70% of the church that thinks the only thing you're supposed to do is come, show up, sit down, give, and go home. But I'm here to tell you, your life is more than that. Your life is more than an assignment on a church pew. Your life is more than an assignment of singing a few songs and amen in the preacher. That's why your fault. That's why hell's up against you. That's why in your mind you're tormented. I'm here to tell you this morning heaven has plan heaven has purpose for your life it's imperative it's your children it's your family as I said it's a, it's even that it's your life is a part of the DNA and the connective tissue 
of this church family. Who would have known that in the years to come, I've talked about full circle moments. I'm standing in a place, I'm standing in the pulpit as a pastor of a place with rich heritage. I would have never known or ever dreamed if you would have asked me at even 20, 25, 30 years old that you would pastor Victory Temple. You would stand in the pulpit where Brother Clinton and Brother Robert and Brother Charles and various ones have stood. That that's where you'd be. That you would help be a part of the history and the destiny of this church. I would have said you're absolutely crazy. I would have said there's no way. I'm just a hillbilly from southern Missouri. Ain't nobody around Victory Temple would ever give me a fighting chance. Ain't nobody from around there even knows who I am. I didn't know. And believe you me, there were times I fought it. There were times I didn't think I could do it. And I still think that way. It's only the grace of God and the help of God. But I'm going to tell you, it's unbeknownst how it all happens and how it works. But you see, you go back years. Go back to the first church we pastored in South Roxana. And Charlie 20 was there, who is a grandpa of Sister Phyllis, great-grandpa of Sister Laura and Brother Chad, and Brother, Brother Robert and Brother Charles and even Brother Clendenin. They stood in the pulpit of South Roxanne and preached revivals there. Who would have known a boy from southern Missouri would have been saved and his family saved in that church and my in-laws pastor that church. And I'm a part. You see, I want you to understand it didn't happen just one day here in Victory Temple being voted in as pastor. God was orchestrating something back when I was a 14-year-old boy in that church. How God would link things together. And my life would be a part of the DNA and the fabric of your lives and yours with mine. It was a long road to get here. Come on, somebody. All of us can testify. You can look around and say, it's been a long road. Been a long road. I mean, from India to wind up in Beaumont, Texas. Who would have dreamed it? He said he didn't. Come on here. I could put this microphone in the hand of several of you. And you could say there's things and there's, th- there's things God's done and places he's led us and paths he's put us in and people he's connected to that I never would have dreamed or never would have known or whatever the case might be. Oh, Brother Drew, I can promise you I've not always been the people's choice. There's some folks that never would have wanted me, never would have, would have had me. But I'm going to tell you this, is that you cannot stand in the way of God's plan. You cannot stand stand in the way of God's purpose and I came to tell somebody you're up against opposition you've been fighting a fight you've been against oppression, discouragement you've been waging war against hell the demons of hell have been fighting your mind, I'm going to tell you it's a good fight but I'll let you know this, there ain't no devil in hell that can absurd the will of God for your life in your life, God's purpose and plan for you the only person sister Kayla that can remove you from God's will is you that's it you are the one that can make the choice you are the one that can make the decision 
You are the one, Sister Anna, that could sit and park at her today, walk away and never come back and suffer the consequence, not just for you, but all those that would be connected. You see, truth of the matter is, and bear with me, I know where it's, it's lunchtime, I know. But listen, we're going to wedding shower tonight. We're going to hear some real preaching tonight. And we ju- you just hold tight. We're going to... But I-, I want to reiterate this fact. It's because one of the greatest battles, Brother Marvin, is people sitting in the pews. And they are looking at certain things that are in their way. And they are thinking... That it spells problem. They are thinking that it just means God's will isn't going to be fulfilled. They are thinking it just means a hard time. They are thinking it just means difficulty. And we find ourselves sometimes. I know we ain't going to admit it. I know that we're not going to shout it from the rooftops. But every person in here. We reach places and times. Where we grow in. We grow frustrated. We grow angry at things that seem like they are in our way. Because as much as God wants to accomplish in your life, Brother Eli, as much as God wants to use you, as much as God wants to work through you, there are certain things that happen, certain things that come up, certain things that seem to stand in our way. And we have a decision to make. I want you to understand is that if something's not going how you think it should, I would encourage you to refrain from immediately blaming God that he's against you. I want to encourage somebody. Well, Brother Jake, what I'm praying for is a good thing. It's biblical. It's spiritual. I'm praying salvation for this one. I'm praying deliverance for that one. I've been praying God's will in my life. And and you see, Brother Jake, but this door closes and nobody gives me a chance here. And this one don't seem to believe in what God told me. And this one makes fun of me, whatever the case might be. I came to tell you this morning is that there is some spiritual donkeys that we're riding on today there are some things that you cannot see right now but there are plenty of things that God sees and God knows I want to remind you he's a million light years ahead of where you and I are and he knows the specifics he knows the ins and outs he knows exactly what's going on and he will put things in your way on purpose And this morning you're frustrated or you've had a pity party. Or you say, well, God can't use me. God won't use me. Brother Jake won't preach me. This one won't do this. This one won't do that. I can't. I'm spinning my wheels and going nowhere fast. I want you to understand is that in every situation, is that if you go through it through that perspective and look through it through those eyes like Balaam, you're beating the very vehicle that is protecting you from destruction. You understand. There are some that you are angry and you're cursing at situations. Say, Brother Jake, I don't like when you say that. I don't cuss. You get what I'm saying. You, you bad mouth and you, and you even, I mean, you'll even get on the phone and you talk about all the things against you. You'll, you'll complain about all the things not going wrong. There's some maybe you do, dirt, you, you do, I got to spit it out. 
You deserve promotion. You deserve that pay raise. You deserve certain things, avenues, whatever the case might be. But there are some things I promise you God will lay down the donkey under you and say you're going to sit right here. You're going to lay right here because there's some things that you don't see. There's some situations you don't know about. There's some things you don't understand. Sister Linda at 14, God called me to preach. By 15, I thought I was ready to hit the road and preach every crusade in America. (laughs) Hallelujah. I was ready. I was going to set the world on fire. And it's a hard thing. You look around in ministry and you see other constituents. You see other peers. And God's opening doors and God's using them and God's doing this. And Brother Keith, I had options. Options to be bitter. Options to be mad. Options to stand and say, God don't love me. God didn't call me. Options to say, well, it's because they don't like me as much. They'll use them, but not me. God, you're opening doors for them, but not me. What's going on? What's wrong? And I don't know why I'm saying what I'm saying right now. But I I want somebody to know Brother Coleman I had a choice to get bitter or I had a choice to bury my face in an altar to find myself a prayer closet begin to fast begin to study the word of God begin to be all the things that I believe God was calling me to be and I would wait patiently until God would open the door of opportunity hear me it matters not whether you're Preacher, mechanic, painter, carpenter, if you work at the plant, if you're a homemaker, whatever it is, we are all battling with purpose. We're battling with it, struggling with it. And there are some this morning you're sitting in here and you think God is bullying you because of it. You're looking at certain things and you're saying, that's in my way, God, and I don't like it. That's in my way, God, and I don't appreciate it. That's in my way. And I'm going to tell you, there's three things I'm going to say very quickly. I want to thank God when he has put someone in my way. Someone. There have been situations in dealing with people, and we all know what it is to deal with people. There's been times, Sister Sister Sandy, it was frustrating There were times that I didn't understand, God, why? Why am I dealing with this person? Why am I dealing with their attitude? Why am I dealing with with their hard heart? Why am I dealing with, you know, maybe it was situations. They had greater authority. Maybe maybe it's in situations where I was subject to them and what happened depended upon them and how they were. And I've met folks like you have. You didn't know if you was getting Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde one day. There were times you didn't know uh, what you were up against or what you were facing everybody's been against someone someone who would try to be in the way and try to prevent the will of God to be done in your life we find in the will of God that the people of God found this all the time whether it was a Pharaoh who stood in the midst of the people the children of Israel maybe it was a Herod who was out to kill the Christ child maybe it 
was a, it was a commandment for the abortion of all male sons and it was Moses in a bushel in the basket on the Nile River we come to find there's been folks oh brother Drew there's been plenty of Saul's that have stood in the way of David there's been plenty of Goliaths that have stood on the battlefield and they have mocked you and they've mocked God they have made you feel a certain way made you frustrated made you feel like you couldn't go on any further oh but I'm here to tell you I thank God today for the someones for the hard heads for the hard hearted for the obstacles for the Goliaths and what I could not see brother Coleman God was working something out inside of my life because of someone because of someone all of us know someone who makes you pray like you've never prayed before Amen. I might as well just stay here and preach for a minute you got that someone come on and I'm, and I'm laughing and I'm chuckling, but for you, that someone, it brings tears to your eyes. Maybe it was someone or a situation where it was abuse, where it was you was things done to you shouldn't have been done to you. Things that maybe there was things you were not nurtured. Maybe, maybe to somebody else, you were just in their way all the time. Maybe the someone in your life was not caring and loving or nurturing, but it was cruel and it was harsh. Maybe there were things that happened and you'd say, you'd say, Brother Jacob, there's someone that comes to my mind. I just don't know. Can it, I mean, it, would, would God really use that someone? Would God really do that? And here's what I'm saying. If you were to go back and trace the millions of steps that have surrounded the someones in your life, I can assure you of this. If you would have ever removed them before, you wouldn't be sitting on a pew in here this morning. You wouldn't be serving God today. You wouldn't be born again again today because sometimes God will use some hard someones to affect you he's also used some someones who propelled you just in the same token if it wasn't for some of the hard someones thank God for the for the for the someones who prayed for you Thank God for the someones who got you here. You're serving God today. You're born again today because the someone who helped to bring you to Christ, maybe they're dead and gone. Maybe it was an old granny. Maybe it was someone, oh, that the world doesn't know their name. Oh, but they were somebody who kneeled down at their bedside at night and was praying. Brother Eddie, I can promise you, you wouldn't be a man of God today, delivered out of addiction, Delivered out of prison. You would, your life would have been wrecked if it hadn't have been a someone. Oh, some folks that loved you enough to pray. Some folks sitting behind you here. Over your shoulder. Someone. Come on. I've never seen Sister Mary's name in Hollywood lights. You're probably not on the walk of fame, are you, Sister Mary? But I'll tell you who knew, who knew Sister Mary. It was heaven. Because every time Sister Mary prayed, every time Sister Mary lifted her voice, Heaven would say, there she is again. There she is praying again. And every time he should have died, every time the, the dope should have took him under, every time he should have been buried under the prison, there was a someone who stood in the way. There was a someone 
who got in the way. For some of you, it's a mom and dad. Some of you, a brother and sister. Some of you, a pastor. Some of you, well, somebody picked you up on the church van. Somebody, it was a Sunday school teacher. And you sat at their table on Sundays. And you listened to them tell you the things of God. Somebody got in your way. Somebody was selfless enough to propel you to the next place where you can know Christ as your Savior. You could live for Him. I'll never forget the third grade. One of the someones in my way was William McDowell. Third grade, I was running to my class. Outdoor sidewalks had a covered pavilion, but before you got to the pavilion, the sidewalk was wet. It had been raining hard that morning. Third grade, I was headed to Miss Risby's class. And I took off out of Grand's car. She dropped me off, and I was running on that sidewalk, and I mean, I, I bit it. I busted up my knee. I'm sprawled out there. Grand done pulled off. I mean, it's the end of the world for this seven-year-old boy. I mean, my knee's bleeding. My elbow's bleeding. I'm all sprawled out. And here come this man. Here come this man. Pick me up. He said, well, Jake. He said, did you fall? Yeah, boy, I'm crying and everything. You know, I'm like, like most kids that age. I'm dead. I'm just dead. I'm dead. And uh, I mean, it's already the worst day of my life. And he picked me up and, and he said, well, come on. He said, I'll take you down here to Miss Risby. We'll get you doctored up and all that stuff. That's Brother William McDowell. My first memory of him at the third grade, him picking me up off that sidewalk. Bloody knee, bloody elbow, tears streaming. I was embarrassed. I was seven, but my ego was hurt. I was going to have to go into that classroom and all my friends see me scuffed up, clothes wet from the rain. I mean, just a big old mess. That was my first memory of him. At 16 years old, I had been doing a little bit of preaching. And at 16, I get a phone call, Sister Brenda. And Brother William McDowell is a pastor of the church there in Elsinore. And he called me and he said, Brother Jake, he said, I hear you've been a preaching. I hear accepted the call of God in your life been preaching at your home church he said won't you come he said would you come to El back home to Elsinore and would you preach for us and I couldn't believe it I mean my first invitation brother Coleman I was as nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof I mean I just I, I didn't know what to do I just, but I said yes yes I'll come and would you believe that man of God turned me loose on an Easter Sunday morning some would say brother William wasn't that wise was he but he was having a big youth service. He had his youth was leading worship and his youth was doing this stuff. And he went, I was going to be the preacher. And I mean, I still remember Sister Carolyn, she was with us that day. I still remember I, we walked into that little white church, walked up them stairs, and you would I would have thought I was walking into the White House of the United States of America. I was walking in there like Nebuchadnezzar, my knees were knocking together, and I looked at that, that place was packed out. You know how. Easter is. Her folks ain't come to church in 15 years. They're in church on Easter. CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. <laughs> they was all in there. Half of them my kinfolk. And I was there. Oh man, scared to death. And I got up there. 
and I preached. I fumbled my way. I mean, I stuttered. I had a hard time. Couldn't hardly read my scripture. I, I don't know. I might have preached a whole 10 minutes. Shortest Easter message they've ever heard in their life. Amen. But I, I made my way through it. And Brother William McDowell put his arm around me when it was over. And I felt like a deflated balloon. I felt like, man, I made a mess. If these folks know this is how it is when they invite me to preach, I'll never get another invitation, Brother Marvin. Oh, but what he did, Brother Peyton, his Brother William came. And, he, and, he, and, he, and when I came off that pulpit and off that altar service, put his arm around me. And he said, son, you did a good job. I appreciate you coming. I'll never forget, he handed me a $50 check. It might as well have been $5,000. I never received an offering for preaching before. $50. I was going to go tear McDonald's up. Hallelujah. $50 bill. And I remember. But you know what? Besides $50 and besides a pulpit on Easter morning, you know what continued to reverberate in my mind? And still to this day at 43 years old, oh, but when I was 16 that man of God put his arm around me and he says no matter what you keep preaching no matter what brother Wesley do you know brother William believed in me enough I went back and preached several revivals through the years for that man of God the spirit of God tore up that countryside we saw revival break loose in his church but it was because God put someone in my path God put someone in my way. Someone that would believe. Somebody that would pray. Somebody that would say, I know you can. I know you can. I know you can. You hear what I'm saying? First memory of him was at third grade. Still to this day when I see Brother William. Older now. Different health conditions now. But Brother Drew, you better believe he's going to get the biggest hug in a group, in a room full of people from me. He's come and he's sat in in meetings that I've preached, revivals I've preached all in southern Missouri. And Sister Lord, nobody I was prouder to have in that congregation when I'd look out and see that man of God. Because God put someone in my life. Someone in my way. And things I couldn't see in moments when I was down. In moments what I thought, what am I even doing? God put someone there. God will put something. The word of God, Paul says, so that I was not exalted above measure. So I wouldn't think more of myself than what I ought. He said, because of the abundance of revelation that had been given to me by way of God. He said, God gave me. Actually, it says, he sent unto me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. Paul said, God put something. We don't know what that thorn in the flesh was. I've read a lot of commentary. There's a lot of different thoughts. There's a lot of different ideas of what it might be. Some thought it a person. Some thought it a situation. A thought, a physical affliction. There's a lot of opinions. But all I know is God inserted a thorn in the flesh of Paul and he said going to have to deal with this Paul said I prayed about it I prayed about it three different times asking God to deliver it from me 
asking God to deliver. And God's answer was, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to take it away, Paul. You see, you need this in your life. You need this. This is brought to humble you. This is brought to keep you dependent upon me. This is brought to where you're praying. This is brought to where you're going to know my grace in ways that you've never known it before. I want to tell somebody this morning that not just a someone, maybe in your path this morning is a something. Maybe it's affliction. Maybe it's an issue. Maybe it's a problem. Maybe it's, I mean, the list can go on and on and on. But this morning, God is dealing. And you've said, Lord, I need you to take this away. Lord, I'm tormented here. Lord, there's this and Lord, there's that. And I don't know what to do with it. Can I tell you that probably the best thing that you can do is you just rest in the grace of God. Rest in His strength. And know that it's sufficient because the Bible Paul went on to say, For I have learned that when I am weak, he is strong. I know you want to be Superman. I know you want to be Wonder Woman. I know you want to accomplish it all. I know you want to do it all. Not a none of us, nobody in here likes to admit weakness. None of us want to admit we got a problem. None of us want to admit we got an issue. None of us want to admit that we don't have it all together. But I promise you this, God will put some things in your life that it's only going to be by the power of God for it to diminish Or he might keep it there because it puts you in greater recognition of who he is. Someone, something, Sister Carolyn, if you'd come, the thing I'm greatest for that's been put in my way is a Savior. You see, we look at someone's and we look at some things and They're standing in our way, and it seems like it's impeding our progress. seems like it's slowing us down. But again, we can see and testify the fact it's God working out things that we didn't know that we couldn't see. But let me just interject this in here. Is sometimes the thing that's in my way is me. As a matter of fact... We have the tendency to blame it on something else, someone else. But you walk with God long enough, He will remind you that actually the thing that's in your way the most, more than some ones and more than some things, is the U's, the Y-O-U, S-E-L-F. We get in our own way, we get in our own head, we get in our own prejudice. We get in our own self-righteousness. We get in all these things. And we, if there is something that impedes the purpose and the plan of God that can do it quickly, it is when we get in our way. Balaam was so angry. He said, I would kill you dead. And it wasn't until God gave revelation, opened the mouth of that donkey, and also, listen, what did it say? He opened the eyes of Balaam. Where he could see that angel who had the sword that was going to kill him. The angel told him, he said, Balaam, he said, this donkey that you've been beating and that you want to kill is what saved your life. You couldn't get out of your own way. Every time the donkey would run off the path, Balaam would beat her and get her back on the path. 
crush him in the wall. He can up and I mean beat her again. Lay down under him, beat him again. Balaam was his own problem. He couldn't see. Until the Lord opened his eyes. Here's what I know. Jacob Smith gets in his own way a lot. And I thank God for the some ones and I thank God for the some things. But I'm most thankful for the Savior. Who brother Drew, he opened my eyes and helped me to see. He deals with my sin and he convicts me. He got in the way of my sin. He's got in the way of my hard-heartedness. He's got in the way of my stubbornness. He's got in the way over and over again, Anna. Every time we tried to run, every time we tried to bury our problems and bury our sins and do the things and we were nothing but self-destructing, I thank God the Savior got in my way. I thank God that before you run into the pits of hell, you have to go past the cross of Calvary. I'm glad that he said, not my will but thine be done. I'm glad that he was willing to take my sin upon himself. And he stood in my way. I shared the story before, and I close with this. There was a son, as rebellious as he could be, self destructing, mad at the world, mad at God, mad at God's people, barely could stand his mom. She prayed for him every service. She'd lift her hand and said, pray for my boy. He's running from God. Everywhere she went, if there was prayer meeting, if there was anything going on, she'd request prayer for him. One day in rage, he looked at her and he said, quit praying for me. He said, I'm sick of hearing my name come out of your mouth. He said, I'm sick of all the church people praying for me he said stop it he's trying to intimidate her trying to shut her out and that mama brother Michael looked at him and pointed a finger and she said if you die and go to hell you're going to have to do so crawling over the desperate prayers of this mom she said because I'm going to stand in your way as long as I can that was the savior Standing in the way. Standing in the way. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask you this morning all over this house. I know things have run a little bit longer today, but I'm asking you right now, would you let your heart, your mind be tender to the Spirit of God? What is it that you might say, that's in my way? That's, this is prohibiting me. Who is it here today? You're wrestling with the purposes of God, the plan of God. You're wrestling with the will of God. There's some things going on and you are thinking that maybe God is bullying you or you're thinking that if God loved you, He would remove it. But this morning there are some people, there are some things and God knows and thank God there's a Savior standing in your way and He's actually keeping you from destruction. God is coordinating every step of your life because it's not just you but it's people tied to you and it's people who you are going to impact that you don't even know yet 
And he will put things in the way to preserve you. To preserve you. Maybe this morning you've been aggravated. You've been mad. You've been hurt. You've been disappointed. Holy Ghost, help me. I know he's speaking to hearts right now. You've been disappointed. Somebody's hurt you deeply. Somebody's aggravated you. Somebody has accused you, lied on you. Some things come against you. You find yourself battling. You find different things going on. But this morning, just like Balaam, we need our eyes open to see that God is utilizing some situations so that his purpose is fulfilled. If that's you today, if you'd say, Lord, I want to be found walking in the way that you have appointed. And I don't want to get in the way. And Lord, help me to see and know that the things that might seem like it's impeding my progress is actually helping me and propelling me. Maybe it's causing me to pray like I've never prayed. Maybe it's causing me to lean upon the grace of God like I never have. Maybe it's causing me to see you like I've never seen you before, Lord. If that's us this morning, come on. Why don't we come find ourselves a place in this altar? Why don't you come and say, Lord, I'm thankful for some things in my way today. Lord, I'm thankful for some things in my way. I'm thankful for some people in my way. I'm thankful for some situations in my way. Lord, today you haven't left me. You haven't abandoned me. You haven't forsaken me. Oh, but God, you're doing a work in me. Oh, God, you're doing a work through me. He Oh, and I'm thankful the Savior. I'm thankful the Savior has been in my path, has been in my way. Oh, your mercy and grace have been in my way. When I wanted to self-destruct, when I was headed for hell, oh, when I've been bypassing or missing the will of God, you stood in my way. Oh, let my see all